Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. This week, I speak with Leslie Cavito, a personal brand and lifestyle photographer that activates and amplifies women's magic. She provides soulful and authentic imagery for creatively fueled brands and bold women in business and is on a mission to show the world the depth of women's creativity and spirit. Born and raised in California, Leslie has lived in Hawaii, Seattle and Melbourne and now calls the beautiful Surf Coast home. She has become a mama in 2022 and is navigating the juggle of being a business owner and raising a tiny human. This is an episode of Pretty Raw and Leslie certainly shares a lot of her personal experiences, her challenges and also how she's come out the other end, um, certainly after the fourth trimester. It's a really raw account of a mum's working mum journey. So hope you enjoy and enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by the Working Mama Village, a membership to support working mums with training, resources, empowerment and support to help you thrive in both being able to have a career and being a mum. So check it out today and there's also going to be some specials coming up for my birthday month in June. So let's get into it. Welcome Leslie, welcome to the Working Mama podcast. How's your day going so far? Day has been going incredible, thanks. As we were just chatting about summer and how it arrived a little bit late. It is fully here now and I live on the surf coast on Waterong country outside of Melbourne and the day has just been incredible. Lots of sunshine, got an ocean dip in. It's Friday so feeling good. Yes we're recording this at the start of or relatively start of February and as we said Melbourne the you know the weather can be up and down. Last week it was snowing. This week it's a nice you know balmy thirty <laughs> degrees. So you know it's never dull. So with your accent, it sounds like you've had a bit of a journey to get where you are now. So Leslie, how would you best describe yourself and what's been your career journey to date? Yeah, the the best describing yourself. It's such an interesting question because it really depends on the day <laughs> or even in the moment. But I guess if I had to give a a general overview of how I might describe myself. I would say I'm a multi-passionate creative. I'm a mom, a wife, a sister, a daughter, a community builder, a photographer. That's my business. So I'm a business owner and overall just a fun, loving, curious human. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so many different, but that's also all of us. We have so many different elements to us and our life is not just a mum as part, you know, we've all got a big, bigger picture of, of that. So you said you're yeah. a business owner. So what's been your career journey so far? It has been very nonlinear. So I have held a variety of jobs in a variety of industries. I worked in hospitality for a long time. I did public relations, which is what I studied at university. I've been in digital marketing. I was a technical recruiter. So did a lot of different things before starting my own business. My last corporate role was as an account manager at a design agency. And I got to this point where I was tired of suppressing the feelings and like the little voice that said, there's there's more for you. like this is okay. Or even sometimes it was good, but it didn't feel like it. 
And so, yeah, as I mentioned, I'm very multi-passionate. I had so many things that I wanted to try and working 40 plus hours a week doesn't give you much time or space for testing out different paths. So I quit my job with the intention of giving myself a year just to start exploring other options. And I was able to use a lot of the skills I picked up in corporate world to start freelancing. And I ended up freelancing and working for a lot of female business owners. So having kind of a bit of a Jill of all trades, I was able to learn a lot of things along the way, but also just pop in skills where they were needed for these women in business. So some days that meant copywriting, writing social media posts or scheduling, writing newsletters, blog posts, setting up CRMs. It really could have been anything they needed. I was just there to do it all, do all the things they didn't want to do essentially, or didn't have time to do. And photography was always something that I had really enjoyed as a hobby. And I felt the pull to take it more seriously during that year where I was kind of trying to figure out what was next. It was the one thing that I just kept coming back to. So I ended up freelancing and working for two other female photographers, which was really great because I was able to assist with them and really just get a look at what the life of a photographer could be or what it could look like. And they became my mentors. And over time, that really solidified that photography was the path that I wanted to take. So slowly but surely, I transitioned to letting go of some of those freelance clients doing some of that kind of virtual assistant marketing tasks and just building up more of the photography. And now it's full-time photography. That is so good in that you've had this linear career, but so many people (laughs) don't actually have linear careers. Like I don't know who does these days, but it's so, I think actually inspiring that you've really followed your passion and really what you want to do and what lights you up and that makes you happy. And so with that, how's it gone of then? So did you have your business before you became a mom or vice versa? Yeah. So I had the business before I became a mom. I started freelancing in 2017. And I would say the photography side of things really picked up actually when I moved from the States over to Melbourne. So, and actually I would say it even really picked up when I moved to the surf coast. So that was three years ago, like pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic, (laughs) but yeah, so I have been doing, working for myself and, and running a business pre-motherhood. I just had my first babe almost 11 months ago now. So yeah, he's almost a year old, which is mind-blowing. Yeah. It's my son's almost two. My son's actually two on the weekend and I can't believe it's been two years. As they say, Mm. the days are long, but definitely the years are short. That's for sure. Yeah. And so how have you gone of, of managing that transition from business owner into being a mom and and managing that all because it, it can be, you know, it's already stressful enough having your own business and then having a, a son. So did you take maternity leave, managing your clients as well? So how have you managed and navigated that process? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's it's a it's a nice one to reflect on too. So I because my husband and I moved here on visas, we are not really like mat leave is not given to us. It's not a thing for us because we're not citizens and we're not permanent residents. And so thankfully my husband is with an international company that has a pretty generous paternal leave, which is great. And I also just decided that for my business and for my 
a sanity and, and everything that I would need to that I would need to not place expectations on myself in terms of when I would return. So that was a question that kind of was coming up towards the end as I was winding down and not taking any more shoots and just letting people know that I would be taking some time off and, you know, I wouldn't be on social media and I, I just wouldn't be around basically. I really wanted to give myself the time and space to enjoy that, that bubble. So everyone was like, well, when are you coming back? Like, when can we book a shoot? When do you think work's going to be picking back up? And I was like, to be honest, I don't know. And I also want to just say that I understand that is a huge, huge privilege is being able to say, I don't know when I'm going to come back to work. I know not everybody has that opportunity or that privilege. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. But I just knew that I didn't want to place any sort of expectation or pressure on getting back to work at a certain time because I had no idea what I was in for. Like, yeah, I just really had no idea. I didn't know how <laughs> I would be feeling physically, mentally, spiritually. I didn't know what kind of personality my baby would have. Like maybe they would need to be on me 24 seven. Maybe they'd be colicky, you know, like there were just so many ifs that I decided to say, I'm not coming back until it feels right. It feels ready. And so that's kind of how I navigated in terms of taking time off. And when I felt ready to move back into just very slowly dipping my feet back into work stuff. And so how did you know that point that when you felt ready? I think because I had really kept the, like pretty much the fourth trimester was just a real solid space of rest for me. I had an incredible birth team that really encouraged that. So my midwife, my doula, my husband, my, my mom came out. She actually landed the day I went into labor, which oh, wow. was not the plan. My son came at 42 and five. So he was quite quote unquote late in terms of my, my estimated due date, but yeah, the idea was that I would have him and then we'd have a couple of weeks to kind of situate ourselves and get into a flow, maybe get into a flow. And then my mom would come out and help and the days just kept ticking and he was apparently very comfortable, didn't see the need to come out. So yeah, she landed and got to see me pregnant for a few hours and then I went into labor. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So again, that fourth tri trimester was very much just like rest, be in the bubble didn't have a ton of visitors and outside of our family had a meal train going. So gosh, I recommend that to any pregnant person. I wish the meal train was still a thing. I still want it to be a thing, but just had a lot of support in those first few months. And I think that not having the pressure again, or the expectations, I was just able to really rest and receive, which receiving for me has always been a bit of like it's been a challenge for me to receive. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't think it comes naturally. Yeah. It's, it was tough, but it also at the same time felt really good. And I think maybe it was the first time in my life I actually really surrendered into receiving. So I think by the time I was getting back into work, I just felt it was just that intuitive nudge, you know, of like, you don't need to go full force in business right now, but I, I love my job so much and I find so much purpose in it that it's just actually hard to stay away from it for too long. It just brings me a lot of joy. I think for better or for worse, I do find a sense of identity in it. And so, you know, with motherhood and the shift of identity and the who am I, what am I, what's going on, 
photography and getting back into work actually became somewhat of an anchor for me to, to go back to something that I feel I, like I feel really good doing. I feel like I'm good at, it kind of just transported me back into myself a bit. Whereas, you know, as a new mom, there's a bit of, well, there's a lot of learning and unlearning and figuring things out as you go along. Every time I stepped back into work and had my camera, I felt not just a sense of purpose, but like, oh, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm sitting here nodding going, yes. Like, yeah, it's amazing how so many times you, you feel like, oh, that pull of like, I have to go back to work. But I love the approach that you knew when you were ready. And then, but also then that sense of identity, because we all work for various reasons. And it's, you know, obviously the way the interest rates are at the moment. Yes, money is one <laughs> thing, but certainly what we do is what you say. It's all about our identity and also it helps round us out as a person. So mm. I love that. It's it's certainly there's so many different elements to that. So just quickly as well, how long did you have off on, on for um, leave after your child before you went back to shooting again? Well, my first shoot was actually when he was six weeks old. So there's kind of a backstory to this. I had had a contract position with our local council and they had had some money come in and they had this really cool creative program right before I was about to go on mat leave. Essentially, they said, hey, we know you're having a baby, but is this something you'd want to be involved in? You don't have to do it right now, but we just need to know if you want it. And it was this really cool program that allowed the businesses in our area to essentially hire you as a creative and the council would pay for it. So it was a win-win for the creatives. It was a you know win-win for all the businesses. And I was like, yes, sign me up. So I ended up booking 22 shoots through this council program. But the beauty of it was there was no timeline, essentially. I didn't need to do it in a certain amount of time. But one of the people that hired me was a local business, two beautiful women that run a tea company out here on the coast. And I've worked with them before. And so they were like, you know, no rush, but whenever you feel ready. My in-laws were in town, so we had extra help and I was feeling quite energetic. And I was like, let's do it. Like, let's, let's just do the shoot. So <laughs> I guess technically I took six full weeks off, but getting back into work for me, photography and all that is very, you know, it's not going back to corporate where I'm at a desk from eight to five. So the flexibility of it is great for a new mom. So yeah, I kind of just slowly started booking things in when I was feeling extra energetic and, and the shoots were only 45 minutes to an hour. So it was a nice quick, like that really was able to work around, you know, sleep yeah. and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, oh, how good, but it's good that though, that those opportunities came up and you were, I guess, probably listening to your own self about what, what worked, what wasn't working. You had the support around you and, and really listening to yourself, as you said, when you felt energetic and and the like. So it's, it's so good that, yeah, you know, you, you've, you're managing that, you know, that fourth trimester, but also with what also makes you happy during Mm. that, during that shift as well. So through that, as what you said, you wanted to take time to see how things went as you had your son what surprised you the most at the moment about about motherhood but then also combining having a career in your own business with being a mom yeah there's a lot of surprising things about motherhood i think because my husband and i waited a little bit 
later in life to have kids. And also a lot of our friends didn't start having kids until their thirties. So we weren't really around them a ton. So I, again, I almost had like not many expectations. I, I went into it pretty just like, okay, we'll see what happens. Like we will see what we get. We'll see how the experience or what experience we get from all this. But I think one of the most surprising things about motherhood is the conflicting or like complicated feelings that can rise and shift, not just like every day, but almost every minute. So some days I feel just so present and so connected to my son. And I feel just blissful and privileged that I get to be at home with him and I get to witness all of the ways that he's growing up. And, and again, I know that not everyone has that choice to stay home for as long as they want. And so I, I just, I take that so I guess I just hold that very preciously. And so some days I'm just, I just feel so content, I guess, with doing the mom thing and, and just raising a little human. And then some days I'm like, can you please have two, four hour naps so I can just work and meet with my friends without interruptions and have quiet time with my husband and surf or do all the things that I used to do before I had a baby. (laughs) So it's like some days I just can't imagine my world without him. And other days I just want to step back in time and relive all my days as a maiden. And I'm, and I was also surprised that like, I think the word relentless gets used a lot in parenting, but now I really feel how there is no pause button. There's just, I mean, there's just no pause. It's just, there's always if it's not something to do, then it's something to think about. So there's, there's like the physical load, there's the mental load, there's always something going on. Even when he's sleeping, it's like, should I clean the house or should I do work? Yeah. There's there's (laughs) always something and and it's, it is that constraint, but even I, we were the same the other night, my kids actually had their first sleepover at their grandparents for a very, very long time. And we woke up and it was like, this is bizarre. Like, you know, we slept in a little bit, even though we had to work, we're both working from home. So we could sleep in a little bit later rather than getting woken at the crack of dawn by a little human wanting a cuddle and stuff. But it was bizarre. You're like, sometimes you're like, oh, it'd be nice to be able to sleep in. And then you're like, but when they're not there, the house is remarkably quiet. It was weird. Yeah. What do I do with this free time? It's almost like you forget what you used to do. And so, yeah, I think just the kind of the relentlessness of it and also how much mess a like almost one-year-old can make oh yeah (laughs) I'm like how how like I pretty much stopped trying to keep things clean because I want to spend my time in other ways and so I'm just like well it's just going to be a mess for now because I'd rather go do this and so I've had to let go of many, many things. Oh, I've been <laughs> trying to clean up flow. a Duplo train set for weeks and I put it away and then it comes out and put it away. Yeah. And then the other way I'm like, okay, fine. They'll get packed yeah. up for when the cleaners arrive, but otherwise fine. You boys win. You can have yep. it. Like <laughs> people, I love how people say, you know, they come to see you. They don't come to see how sparkling clean your floors are or something like that. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. So just on the flip side of that, so what surprised you? Have you noticed any key challenges that you've experienced, particularly being a working mum and also having your own business? And how have you overcome these? If you've overcome them. Not all challenges necessarily can be overcome. (laughs) I do think it's something that I'm every day is just working on it 
a little bit more. So some of the challenges speaking up about my needs and asking for help have been two huge ones. So I've really had to break down my own narratives and my own stories that I think I've really been telling myself my entire life <laughs> that, you know, I, they're so ingrained. I barely even realized that they were there, but you know, for example, I've always identified as a really independent and self-sufficient woman. I can do things on my own. And I've also had a fear of appearing needy or feeling like a burden to somebody. Um, and so having my son really shined a light on my resistance to ask for help and to communicate when I actually needed more help. So again, still working on both of these, taking small steps every day, but, you know, like for instance, just asking friends if they can drop by and watch him for an hour so I can go to an appointment or if I have a shoot. And sometimes I'll even start the conversation by saying, hey, I know you said you're happy to help. It still makes me uncomfortable to ask you, but would you be willing to do this? And I think just saying that out loud helps ease the tension really in my own body because I'm just being honest about the fact that it's hard for me to do this thing, Yeah, oh, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. And look, it's, it's one of those things. I'm exactly the same that I was so proud, particularly with my first son. Yeah. I'm all proud. I can do everything. And then one of my friends at mother's group, one of the first things she actually said when they were going around the circle was actually about asking and accepting help. And that by the, when you open yourself up for help, it invites people, you open that door. So it invites people to continue asking and offering help. But if you yes. close that door, no, and you say, no, I don't need any help. No, one's actually going to offer. So you've just essentially closed that door on that opportunity. Mm, yeah. And, that's so good. And it's really yeah. like almost five years later, this comment still rings true. And I still see this person and I'm like, Kate, this is like, but it's so true. I think as you know, that particularly this day and age, you know, we think that you know, we're strong, independent women. We don't, we shouldn't be out needing to ask for help. But, you know, even back in the day, they ran villages that, and culturally, you know, other cultures from Western society, they, like, as you said, they've got people that are constantly around them offering help. And, but it seems to be with Western culture, no, don't ask for help. It's almost like a, a shame, but really it's such a strength to ask for help, not a yeah. weakness. And we really need to be doing it more. And I love how you say, look, it's uncomfortable for me, but can you help? Because it's um, so true. It's so true as what you said. You you want to appear independent, but asking for help is not such a bad thing. Yeah, it's really not. And I think one of the best things that my friends have done for me is even if they can't help or like actually specifically if they can't help that day, they'll just say, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm actually not able to, but please keep asking me for help. Like I've had multiple people text me back, please keep asking me. And that just... It's just like, like I breathe out. I'm like, okay. It's almost like confirming, like you're not a burden. People want to help you. And I think, I think if I approached it more from that place of just reminding myself, people want to help, like helping others feels good. I know I really love it when people ask me for help because I want to be there for my community. I want to be there for my friends. And if I can offer that to someone, like that feels really good. So let's not rob other people of their, of the gift of helping and giving. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Asking for help. Definitely. Number one. And then speaking my needs and like processing my feelings on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> the example of this is I remember in the early days when my husband was still on his parental leave, he would ask if it was okay for him to go for a run or go on a surf. And he's one of those types that like daily exercise is crucial for his mental health. And so 
of course, there's a huge part of me that is like, yes, please go do the thing. You know, I need you to be like at your best so you can help take care of me and Westy. So like, yes, please go do that. But then there was another part of me sometimes where I would just be like, no, it's not okay. Like I, I actually need you to be home with me. Like even if he's asleep and I don't need an extra set of hands or something, it's just like, I needed the company. I needed the connection. I needed intentional time with him. And I just needed his physical presence in the moment. And so sometimes I would say, yes, go. Even though in the back of my mind, I was like, no, don't go like read between the lines. Yeah. Uh, and then he would come back and I would just say, oh, look, sorry. I know I told you it was okay, but actually I really wanted you to stay here. And so now when he asks about leaving to go do something, he'll ask me two times. So he'll say, hey, is it okay if I go for a surf? And I'm, if I'm like, yeah, sure, go. He'll be like, are you just saying that? Or are you really okay with me leaving? And so it's been a good practice for me to just come back and I guess think a little bit deeper before I say something and, and think, is this really okay? Is this what I need right now? Do I need him to go and take care of himself or do I need him to stay here and help take care of Westy or take care of me or whatever it is? Yeah, it's so true. We shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily hide behind on those rocks, but actually really speak up. So, mm. and you've talked about how you've, you really enjoyed work and, and motherhood and, and how have you navigated then that identity shift, which we can also then liken to the term matrescence, which I discovered about 18 months ago. And I love the, yeah. Uh, the term because it really validates us as mothers and this shift that that we go through. How you spoke about this a little bit earlier. How have you navigated and also probably recognized in yourself that shift? Because you really, you know, you've had an exciting career so far, successful photographer, and then going to then navigating life as a business owner and photographer into being a mom. So and and really, because there's there's different identities that come with that. And as you said, the feelings and emotions, what's the experience been like for you and, and how have you worked through it? I think I've had to just keep reminding myself that life is all about seasons. So pre-baby, I think I just wanted to be in summer season all the time. I just wanted to be productive, working, creating, making new offers, doing all the shoots. I really wasn't interested in syncing with the seasons of knowing that like, yes, summer is wonderful, but after summer comes autumn and it's time to slow down and rest a little bit. And then winter is a time to really rest and to think about what you want to plant next and moving through those seasons and being a little bit more, I guess, cyclical (laughs) (laughs) has helped just remind me that I don't need to do everything right now which is very hard for me to do. I, if I have an idea pop into my head, I want to execute like right away. I just get so excited. I'm like, great, let's do it now. But it might not be the right time. And especially with, you know, me being pretty early in my motherhood journey, I just keep thinking like this, this isn't really the season for my business to be thriving and flourishing. I guess in a sense, it could be if I wanted it to, but really what I want is to be present for this early stage of motherhood and to just soak in all of the moments that I know that I'm never going to be able to return to. Well, I take a lot of photos so I can return to it via, you know, my camera, my photos, but 
Yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, and I think this is something parents say all the time about the days are the days are long, but the years are short. And I feel that already. It's only been a year and it just went by so fast. And even when things feel utterly mundane, like <laughs> I'm just like, I can't believe we're doing this over and over again all day, every day. I I think just motherhood really highlights that all we have is the present moment. And so right now my focus is really on is really on my son and on I think being really compassionate and kind to myself through this transition that I think culturally is not, you know, not very supported or looked at as a very short-term thing. Like, okay, you had a baby and then a couple months, you know, you no longer have a newborn, so now you're fine. And I have not found that to be the case. I find every new stage brings new learnings and more difficult times and then times of blissful ease. And yeah, there's just, we need to find a better term for the, or a better word for journey, (laughs) the motherhood journey, because it just is so much. And so, yeah, I guess just navigating it with compassion, following intuition and knowing that life is all about seasons. And so just to try and appreciate the season that I'm in now, because it's not always going to be this season, we'll shift into something new. And then, you know, the focus might go back to my business and we'll be in a completely new season. Yeah. And such a good reminder that, yeah, we don't need to, yeah, always be in summer. We don't always need to be doing, you know, pressing the foot on the accelerator a hundred miles an hour and, and actually listening to and observing what's going on. And yeah, as I said, like my, my son's almost two and I can't believe how much like he's talking and opinionated. And like, we ask him, how old are you turning? And he says four and he pretty much in some ways, you know, I'm sure you he, <laughs> like in his own head, he thinks he is, but it's amazing how much it is, but also like even in your your own identity as a mom, you know, shifts and changes sometimes from a day to day. You know, it's week to week, month to month. It's it is such a yeah. It's it's a hard because it's it's you know it's not ever ending. It's as, mm. as I was chatting with some friends on on WhatsApp last night. Some said oh about birthing and stuff, and we're like oh. Parenting's not about that that day of birthing. It's the next eighteen plus years. So we all had a bit yeah. of a laugh. Yeah. And isn't it funny? There's so much, it's almost kind of like the, I find it similar to when you're getting married, there's so much energy and excitement and planning about the wedding, but then not so much about the rest of your life with this person, Mm -hmm. like in this partnership. And it does feel the same way with motherhood. There's this, you know, education and a lot of anticipation about the birth but it's like, that is one very small, Yes, you know, it's a big one, but it, it is also a small experience in the bigger picture of mm. raising a human. It's like that part is actually goes by pretty quick. And then now you have the responsibility of raising a kind, compassionate human. <laughs> yeah. There was no, during the parenting classes that I went to at hospital, which were very brief, there was nothing to say, you're going to go through this identity shift. This is what matrescence is. This is how you are going to, it's just like, right, this is either going to be this birth and blah, blah, blah. And like, I wasn't prepared in that sense of, wow. And this is who you are. You're no longer Karina. You're such and such as mom. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, who is this? And yeah. Who am I? And 
And then that shift goes back. It's And then when you start back into work, you're like, oh my goodness, who am I again? And I'm, you know, you check your phone and childcare changes the game. It's amazing how, yeah, this this identity shift and, and there's different emotions and things like that come with it. So it's, yeah, as you said, it's a hard thing. We, you know, rather than having this, the term journey, but something, yeah, in that, yeah. In that sense. Well, it is nice. Like, like you mentioned, matrescence, just having more language now around all of the shifts and, and all of the identity changes and all like, it's, it's really great that more of that is, I think being, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. Like more people are starting to find the term or understand what it means or join, you know, mother circles. I know there's a gal out here on the surf coast that I just went to one of her mother circles and that literally was the topic was matrescence. And so Mm. just being in a space with, I think it was maybe 10 other moms who had kids of all ages. And that was actually, I guess, somewhat surprising to me. There was parents who had, you know, like a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. And to see that, you know, the, again, the journey doesn't end. So there's, there's so many things that come up at different times, at different stages, at different ages. And we never stop needing support. No, no. And both as kids, just as much as our kids need support, we also need support to to navigate that. So how has your perceptions and priorities changed since becoming a mum? And has your, as you said earlier, your business focus has has changed. So how are also you navigating that as a working mum now? Hmm. Well, it's pretty crazy. I'm sure as any parent will know that priorities just completely shift overnight once your baby comes out of your body. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, my husband and I did, we had a lot of really deep intentional talks before he arrived and we were just, we were really trying to set a solid foundation and make sure, you know, we were doing check-ins with one another and that like we were still making time for each other and, and all of this stuff. And then I had my son and basically all of my energy went from like outside world stuff to me and him. And it was just all about caring and nurturing for like myself so that I could care and nurture for my son. And I remember just being like, oh, it it kind of, it was like him, he's the top, he's the priority, me underneath him. And then it was like my husband and (laughs) our relationship. And that was something I didn't, I guess I didn't anticipate and was a bit, it was a, it was a challenge, you know, again, we don't talk that much about what happens after the baby arrives. There's stuff about like the birth and calm birth and all this stuff. And how do you navigate that? And then it's like, how do you navigate your relationships after you've had a baby, not just your relationships with like your partner or your family or everything, but yeah, your relationship with yourself too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, priorities obviously changed way overnight. And I think also just my perception of, of motherhood. Like one thing that really stood out post-birth for me was recognizing that I didn't do that much for like my sister or for friends who had had babies before me. I just didn't understand how life-changing it was and how, how much support is needed. And I so wish that I would have brought them more meals or held their baby so that they could shower or take them for a walk so they could nap or do the dishes and laundry. There's just so much going on behind the scenes that, that doesn't stop after, you know, 
the fourth trimester or whatever. And I think help seems to kind of drop off a bit because people think, oh, well, they're not in the newborn phase anymore. Like they don't really need it but almost you need it more because usually partners go back to work and like the meal train ends and all of a sudden you're kind of left on your own (laughs) in a sense. So yeah, I mean, that's one thing that has stood out for me, but in terms of work, it's been on some days it feels really difficult and on other days it doesn't. So some days I'll feel like all I really want to do is get back to work and to be in that summer period and be in that kind of fiery energy where I just get to create and create with no distraction, with no interruptions, just get into a flow again. Some days I really, really want that. (laughs) And, and some days I don't feel the pull as much. Some days I'm really okay with being kind of consumed with motherhood. So I'm kind of in that space right now of figuring out, okay, what does next year look like? I feel like because he's turning one and I've been able to manage things with kind of, you know, calling in a babysitter every once in a while or working during nap time or when my husband has a flexible schedule, he can be home or just doing shoots on the weekend. I'm kind of hitting that point where that doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Yep. So it's kind of like, okay, well, I think this stage is coming to an end there's a bit of tension around it now. So we need to figure out what's going to work for us moving forward because I am starting to feel a little bit more of like that draw to get back to work, to have a bit of a schedule. God, I miss, I miss a schedule. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like my schedule, not Weston's schedule, my son's schedule, but like mine, like something that is for me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now it's all about looking into the future and thinking, what do our what do our days look like now so that I can get a bit more back into the groove and not feel like my mind is in a couple different places at once, which is just nothing really gets done well when your brain is in too many places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all scattergrain and stuff like that. No, completely completely mm. relate to that I so I said I can have about three balls and after that I don't everything it just gets a bit crazy and yeah. so and I also yeah. oh no, I was just gonna say I'm thinking about the juggling the balls analogy and I think about the more you juggle the less space there is for something really incredible to drop in so almost even though sometimes leaving space for me feels really uncomfortable and I think like oh is the work gonna come or like if I turn down something because it's not quite right or it's not in alignment but I'm thinking oh should I have taken that job and it's like don't fill don't fill with too many balls because then when the right ball does drop you are going to be too busy or too burnt out or too scatterbrained to even recognize it and take it so there is a little bit of I guess trust there of just not juggling too many balls and so that you're open for that big thing to drop in that you're maybe maybe that's your goal or you're calling in or whatever it is. I think it's a really good reminder too. Yeah. Cause if you, if you're juggling and you're, you're not looking out and rather than you're always looking inward, you're not going to recognize and also see when those opportunities come about. So it's, yeah, I think a really good way to make sure there's always an extra ball that you could possibly bring into that juggling act. Certainly yeah. as a working mom. So and just on that, what would be your your advice to your younger self to being a working mom? Is it the juggling to make sure you've always got another ball that you could potentially carry? Mm. 
You know, I think I would probably, the advice I'd give myself is that there's no right or wrong way to do it. I think if you look outside, you will find a lot of advice or a lot of just opinions, I guess, on ways to do it. But I think it's all about finding the way that works best for you and your family and and realizing that that will shift over time. Nothing is ever going to be right forever. It's always going to be navigating the changes in your family dynamic and how you're feeling and what's your priority at the moment. And so, yeah, I think just remembering that there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's just you figuring out what works best. And also something that I always come back to this phrase, commit to your experience, not your expectations. Oh, I love that. Oh yeah. A yoga teacher said this during class when I was in Bali and I literally, I don't even know what pose we were in, but I looked up at him and I was just like, oh my God, like, yes. Like I just felt that mantra in my bones. And so I feel like it's a very, it it applies to to motherhood. I Um, love it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just my reminder that if I can, empty myself of assumptions and expectations and I can just be in the present moment like I can see things with more clarity rather than getting stuck in what I thought should happen or what I want to happen or what I expected to happen I can just meet each moment as it is and and deal with it as it arises rather than being so attached and so stuck in my ideas or the way that I think it should be or even that I want it to be which goes back to the priorities it's like it used to be all about me and it's not all about me anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love that quote. I've written it down. Mm, so thank you so yeah. much for sharing. Mm. Now, just quickly, Leslie, how do you fill your cup? Anything outdoors and in nature. So trail walks or trail running, surfing, swimming, watching the sunrise, just being outside, being away from technology, leaving my phone at home, and also a really good massage. I love a good massage. Oh, how good are they? Just to get even those knots out. So, yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for today's chat, Leslie. Where can people connect and find out more about you? Yep. So my website is www.lesliecarvito.com. In terms of social media, I mostly hang out on Instagram. So that's at lesliecarvito.photography. And you can find my email and all that kind of stuff on either Instagram or my website. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey, amazing quotes at the end there, and also this chat around, you know, your your challenges, what surprised you, and definitely your, for lack of a better word, journey so far as a working mum. So thank you so much for sharing. It's, it's been really good, and I'm sure it will resonate with many others. And so, yeah, if you definitely want to connect with Leslie, check out her website and Instagram. And thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy more of this, hopefully, fingers crossed, amazing summer of Melbourne. Yes. Thank you so much, Karina. And thank you for having a platform that brings women and mothers together to have a voice around everything that goes on in this journey. I just think it's really important for mothers to have a space where they feel like they can connect with other people and feel heard and feel seen because it can be a bit isolating. And yeah, so thank you so much for the work that you do. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch up. 
Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A. Via Instagram at workingmama underscore AU or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.